Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. Tonight, we are recapping Shazam! Fury of the Gods. From the Daughters of Atlas to the Philly fiascos and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me as always is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, it's been a minute since we've talked, but it seems like a lot has happened, including the drop of this movie, which I have not seen. And I still have not seen the first one, but I'm actually quite intrigued as to how this went because... it's it's currently baffling in the pop culture sphere how a major major label movie can drop with only what 30 million in opening weekend revenue and that seems bad <laughs> I know right like like there's a couple there's a couple factors here yes one i'm seeing like a negative not even reaction like anybody i've seen that have seen the movie I've, I've seen mostly positive reviews of the movie, and I, straight out, I'll tell you, I liked it a lot. I thought it was right. great. Um, but I think the negativity is really coming from a lot of these people that are looking at these final four DCEU movies as being, like, lame duck movies, like we've mm. talked about in the past. Yeah. Like, why should I bother going to see this if it's not going to continue? And I don't know. Like, we've talked about that. Like, David Sandberg, the director, has come out and said before, like, it's maybe not a lame duck movie if you go to see it. If people like this movie, they might keep it around. Right. Um, but also, on the flip side of that, this is not like an Avengers Endgame level budget film. This is like a mid-budget superhero film, and it always has been. And I would say the first one, I'm sure it's got a higher budget than the first one. The first one is relatively a lower budget superhero film, although it is great, and it's one of my favorite um, DCEU films. Um so I don't know. There's like a weird, like if you like Shazam, you like superhero movies, just go see it. Who cares? Like, I, I think, I mean, it's on, it's kind of, it's unfair, but it's also true to say that it's Marvel's fault for, uh, putting this idea in everybody's brain about like, it doesn't matter unless it connects to something else. Like, I sh- this is a waste of time for me unless the story is bigger. It's like, no, that's not true. Like, do you see it's any movie you go to see need to connect to something else? Like, did you watch Banshees of Inishirin hoping that it's going to go like open up a big universe of right. I- Irish tragedies? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, made up man, islands. Just, yeah, just see a movie because you like the movie. If you like superheroes, if you like Shazam, if you like Zachary Levi, if you like fun family uh movies super yeah. action movies then go see this movie like that's that's the long and short of it but i think like people are just conditioned to expect connectivity and it's not even like guaranteed that this is not going to connect anything it's just like the threat of it not connecting to anything is like turning people off for it right and especially in but, superhero movies i mean we've seen in the past like back in the day you had uh, we talked about it last week hellboy hellboy didn't tie into anything it was just a movie yeah. Right. Yeah. The original blade. It looks cool. The original yeah, exactly. blade was nothing. It was just a, it was Wesley Snipes killing vampires. Yeah. So many superhero movies from like the '90s and before were not guaranteed hits. We're not guaranteed to get a sequel. Like I don't think Tim Burton made Batman '89 knowing that he was going to make a sequel. Right. I don't think um, you know Sam Raimi didn't make the first Spider-Man movie necessarily thinking he was going to make Spider-Man two. And same with the X-Men movies or anything. Like they were just like okay, let's try this. And like you said, Blade is a perfect example. Like, there's no way people thought Blade was going to be a trilogy. I'm right. sure they yeah. made that movie. Um, 
Yeah, they weren't thinking of the overarching uh, vampire verse. It was just like, okay, cool. Exactly. And like Hellboy is a great example, too. Like, yes, that got a sequel. But like, I mean, who knew that that was going to make any money at all? There was a Spawn movie. You're right. Yeah. And I went to see that. I didn't expect I didn't go to see it thinking that it was going to be a, you know, 30 movies or whatever. But now we're in this mindset that every superhero movie has to connect to a larger thing. And I think that is bad. I think you should just go to see a movie if you want to see a movie, regardless of whether it connects to whatever, what have you. Well, and that's also for, I guess, even for comic book movies. Like you're you're ruining a lot of, you know, one offs, one shots. Like there's been a lot of great stories told in very small form or format that don't need to connect to anything. Right. Do you want to see, you know, uh, God Loves Man Kills in, like, live action form? It's not going to connect to the greater X-Men universe. It's just a story. Right, exactly. And I wish they would do more of that stuff. And I think think that's why it's important. And what I've talked about in the past, what I think Marvel is going to start really having a problem with is making these movies that appeal to people that have never seen a Marvel movie or people that aren't already invested in the 30 plus movies that they've already seen. And it's getting their continuity is starting to uh, mirror the comic continuity, which is intimidating for people who are not comic readers, you know, Uh, and it's becoming like, Oh, I'm not going to go see like, why was the drop from week one to week two of Ant-Man Quantumania so severe? It's probably because everybody that wanted to know that story went to see it and everyone else hadn't watched 30 other movies and so they're like well i'm not gonna just, i'm not gonna jump in it a movie right. called ant man and the wasp quantum mania i have no idea what any of those words mean and similar to shazam but, the numbers on that did not you know coincide with how much i enjoyed the film by the sounds of what yeah, you're saying exactly yeah exactly i i mean in general like i feel like there's another another angle to this is that i feel like as a culture we've become kind of obsessed with box office numbers mm. and assuming that a high box office means it's a good movie and that is never been the case certainly never been the case there's been bad movies that have made hundreds of millions of dollars Mm -hmm. and there's good movies that fly under the radar and they become cult hits later on um you know and shazam i think like yeah shazam made 30 million dollars i think it was projected early like to make like 35 to 40 so it's not like it's even that under expectations really um because it was like a mid-budget superhero film anyway um i really like this movie like i said uh i went in you know, because I had heard like some mixed things and blah, blah, blah. I went in with kind of like leveled expectations. Um, but also re- you remembering that I really liked the first movie and yeah. remembering things that I liked about it. Um, I thought it was a very natural like extension of the plot from the first movie or from the characters from the first movie. Everything felt very natural uh, based on where that ended. There's even like a plot point that comes directly from something like seemingly innocuous that happens at the end of the first movie that is like, Oh, because you did this tiny thing, it has caused this big problem. Like, um, so that was cool. I thought everything was really natural. The characters, it was, uh, I don't know. It was fun seeing those characters again, because in the first movie, it's a family based movie and there are, uh, you know, family interactions and like, uh, relationships there. Um, and you know, strain or heart, you know, Mm -hmm. in, uh, varying places. All that kind of is still there. There's still like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Billy Batson in, in the first movie, Billy Batson, uh, he's a foster kid and he has been through many different foster homes. He's never settled down in one. He gets placed in a new one and he's trying to get out of it, um, you know, but ends up learning to love those people and accept right. 
accept them as his family. And that's like part of the arc of the first movie. And it's it's beautiful. And this and there's still they they don't like just abandon that. There's still talk about like, well, now I'm about to age out of this foster system. And will I become a burden to my uh, foster parents now that they're not going to get checks for me? You know, now they have to actually like pay for me to do and they have fostered all these kids. So like it's a hard like there's like conflict there. There's like. Uh, gravity to what they're thinking about in their normal lives, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, so there's a lot of heart there. I will say that there are some effects that were a little janky. Like as far as CGI, there were some that were like just knocking it out of the park. Great. You could tell like the final like climactic battle was like, oh, this is where they put everything right. else. Like all, all those other times when Lucy Liu was riding a dragon, I could tell that it was green screen. It's because they were saving it for this. Um you know, stuff like that. It, was, it was, wasn't enough to, like, take me out of the movie at all. Um, but you could just tell that there was some yeah. effect, you know, dodginess. Well, and we've and also it, talked uh, a lot about how, like, I, me especially, but, like, janky effects aren't, uh, they're not going to take you completely out of it either. Yeah, we just talked about it recently, I think, yeah. on our most recent episodes. Like, if you are invested enough in the story, mm-hmm. whether it be TV or film or whatever, then you're not going to mind. Right. You effect. get a little hiccup of, like, oh, okay, yeah. okay, back into it. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a little bit of that. I'll say the first act was a little rough. It was like a little, there was like a lot of, it was like simultaneous, like uh, exposition and recapping of the first movie. I don't know if it was because there's been like three or four years since the first one came out. They felt like they had to like recap some stuff, but also like lay some groundwork for where these characters are now. Um, So it just felt a little clunky, but then like it felt way better once the second act kicked off. And then in the third act, I got those like, I don't know, superhero movie vibes when I was like, hell yeah, go get him. This is great, which I I don't get all the time anymore. I used to get every right. single one I went to because I thought like this might be the last superhero movie they make. <laughs> you know, like hindsight, here um, we are. Yeah, exactly. Uh and you know, I don't think, you know, I don't know that I've gotten those from a Marvel movie since like Endgame, maybe. But um maybe a little bit of the Spider Man here and there. But like uh maybe like the Batman put me in that like mindset but i think like no way home for all of the the issues that we've talked about with no way home that last battle definitely like that that got me into the ooh superheroes yay (laughs) it's spidey (laughs) right when you when when it can make you feel like a kid yeah or like you know then then you know that like it's working Mm -hmm. like it's doing the right thing um and i felt that at the end of you know in the third act to the big uh climax of this movie um Everybody in is great. Zachary Levi is great. Um, I think it's Asher Angel is the kid's name that plays Billy Batson. He's great, although you can definitely tell all these kids have grown up <laughs> since oh, the yeah. first one. Um, to the point where the girl that plays Mary... Um, uh, oh, that's a, that's a, the, the girl who plays Mary is not replaced by an adult when she turns into her superhero alter ego. It's just the same uh. girl because there's not enough of an age difference there anymore. <laughs> um and at some point, I feel like, when is it going to, like, you know, they're already saying in this movie that Asher Angel is 18 or that Billy Batson right. is 18. So, like, when is that going to, when is it just going to be Zachary Levi? Right. Um, uh, but everyone was really good. Lucy Liu, Helen Mirren, so good as the uh, bad guys. Rachel Ziegler uh, from West Side Story is also in this movie. She is wonderful. Um, uh, I can't remember what's the guy that plays freddie i don't remember his name um but he was really good as well everyone in it's very great um the i will say that there are some i thought there were some dramatic moments 
that are delivered by Zachary Levi to like members of his adopted family, where I think would have hit harder if it was being delivered by Billy Batson as like the kid, because sometimes there's a disconnect. And I felt this a little in the first movie, but not enough to yeah. really take it away. Like sometimes there's a disconnect between like, okay, I'm supposed to believe that these two people are the same person. Just one is a child and one is an adult. They don't necessarily look like each other, I think in this movie they do a better job of acting like each other than yeah. in the first movie. But like if a if there's a dramatic moment that starts with the actor that is playing Billy Batson, it's not necessarily hit home if it is you know, if the delivery or the like the um the payoff for that moment is delivered by Zachary Levi, it doesn't necessarily translate as hard. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's a I can different see that. actor. Yep. Even though they're the same person, superpowers or whatever, but it's, you know. Yeah, but it's still not the same. Yeah. You're not getting the same visual effect. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, it probably could have been a little shorter. It, like, people are saying it's overstuffed. And I think, like, it's definitely, like, bigger than the first movie. Because the first movie was very kind of, like, singular, which is something I really like about it. And it is bigger because, like, there are more effects, like that dragon that you see in the trailers. Like, that's a big part of it. And there's other monsters and stuff. Um, but it wasn't, like, they kind of implied that this could be a danger to the whole world. But it wasn't like, we need to save the world. Like, they're really just trying to save the city. So it was still, like, lower stakes, I guess. Like, if they hadn't saved the city, then it probably could have gone to the entire world. But they don't really say that. They just talk about saving the city. It's not like right. they're going from the first movie where it's small stakes to all of a sudden gigantic. We need to, you know, we're saving the universe, you know. So, it was like, I kind of like that, that it wasn't just like a, well, why aren't you just calling Superman <laughs> or whatever to help you? Um, uh, I like that a lot. Um, oh, there's one other thing I was just going to say about it. Um, I got to say that the, I think part of the reason that people are also turned off by this movie is that it is that the Shazam, both Shazam movies are very true to the character of Shazam, who is a lighter character. Yep. He's more fun. And sometimes he's straight up goofy because it's like a mix of genres. He's a, he's like a Superman analog, you know, mm -hmm. he's like a Superman analogy, but also his powers come from magic and he fights crazy monsters. He doesn't fight, you know, Lex Luthor or other necessarily super powered villains. He's just fighting monsters a lot of time. And I feel like some people want all of their superhero movies to be like gritty and for adults and whatever. But this, like the first one, this is a superhero movie. You can take an eight year old to, you know, like it's PG 13, but right. it's kind of barely PG 13. And there are, scary parts of it just like they're in the very scary parts in the first one and that's because david f sandberg is a director that got to start in horror he made like the annabelle movies and stuff um he's a horror director and you can see that come out in certain sequences or in certain like effects things like that like oh yeah this guy's a i forgot this guy's a horror director and you know the the creature design i think because it like stems directly from probably his influence in, in horror because there are some really gross and some terrifying monsters especially towards the end of this one there's like a like a weird lion with bat wings but a scorpion tail like just like really huh. scary <laughs> stuff which i wish we spent more time with them um but uh you know but aside from that this is really a a, a barely pg-13 movie like this is a light-hearted yeah fun if literally family action movie like this is a movie for families to watch and it's not 
the Batman. It's not the Dark Knight. It's not the Suicide Squad. It's not Logan. It's not Deadpool. You mm-hmm. know, I think there's a lot of people that are turned off by a more family friendly superhero when they want all their stuff to be like as adult as they are or as adult as whatever Deadpool is or something. Yeah. So I think that's also probably a reason that some people aren't going to see it. But I don't know. I thought it was great. I'd encourage everyone to go see it. Um, I probably only have one or two more things to say about it. And I believe that they are spoilery. So um, see, for you, I don't think they're huge spoilers uh, for someone like you who isn't as invested. But if you do want to go into Shazam Fury of the Gods with zero, zero uh, spoilers, stop listening right now. Stop. And as soon as I say this, we're going to end the episode because we got a big full episode to get to. So uh, you don't have to like skip ahead. You can just stop listening right now. Okay? You're done. And I'm going to talk spoilers in three, two, one. This is like a trope of a lot of superhero movies. You know, when the super, the hero or a hero has to sacrifice themselves to save the day. But, oh, guess what? They're not really dead or they can get brought back to life. Like that happens all the time, right? Like, you know, you could probably, if we thought about it for 10 seconds, we could probably name at least 10 superhero movies where that yeah. happened. But I got to say that happened in this movie and they really linger on it. Like they, like they really do. Like they bury him. Oh, yeah. There's a great, there's a grave for Billy Batson. <laughs> and because of the James Gunn new DCU stuff, I was like, holy shit, they just killed him. <laughs> like I really 100 percent right. thought he was dead. Like I'm si- I was literally my hands were on my head, like they are now. If you're watching this on YouTube, I was like, are you kidding me? They just killed him. Like that's how they're gonna deal with this. Like right. and then I'm like, is that that's what's gonna happen to Ezra Miller's Flash? That's what's gonna happen to uh Aquaman. Like they're just all gonna die. <laughs> and then James Gunn's gonna run with his, you know, universe. But no, he gets brought back. And how does he get brought back? So the other big spoiler of this movie, um, you know, the wizard Shazam is standing over his grave saying there's no magic left in the world. The only one, the only uh, the only beings that could conjure enough magic to bring him back as a god. And there are no more gods left. And then you hear somebody say, well, there's one. And guess who walks up? Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot herself. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. So I don't know what that says for her future of the DCU, but she has a cameo in Shazam and she's wonderful. She uh, comes back. And, it, and again, that makes sense because like, again, Shazam, superhero, but also magic and weird gods. So, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense that he would have like a connection or kinship with Wonder Woman or she would know about this happening or something. So she comes back, resurrects uh, Shazam, and he awkwardly flirts with her uh, very um, cutely. And, um, you know, then the movie ends uh i will also say that there are two great post-credit sequences um and i think i think it's either that it was super late because i went to a late show like it was after midnight when uh this movie got out for me so i don't know if it was that or that dc hasn't conditioned people to stay to the very end of the credits yet like marvel has because i feel like sometimes their movie has like a post-credit scene and sometimes they don't it doesn't seem to be guaranteed Right. And when you when you get a mid credit scene, I think sometimes you're like, okay, that's going to be it. I'm going to leave. I was the only like the theater was a smaller theater because it was like a 930 show and it's a two hour movie. So uh, it was one of the smaller theaters. There's still a good amount of people in it, but I was the only one that stayed to the very end of the credits, which I thought was great. I was like, like, this is just a private showing of this post credit scene for me. Anyway, the mid credit scene 
was um, Amelia Harcourt and John Economos from the Suicide Squad okay. uh, showing up and offering Shazam a place on the Justice Society, which I thought was interesting. So we saw the Justice Society in Black Adam. And who knows if any of those characters, we know Black Adam's not going to be a part of at least Chapter 1 of James Gunn's DCU, but who knows if, you know, Hawkman or Dr. Fader, or whoever, are going to show up. Well, we technically but, don't know because Gunn, did Gunn flat out say they're not part of phase one because he had said they're not they haven't released the entire slate for part one no they have not he said that black adam is not part of chapter one okay but we but we don't know about the uh, any other characters from that the the next four here yeah exactly so could be um and i thought it was great and then the post credits post post credit scene is the villain from the first movie still in jail uh, getting another meeting. Steve, you haven't seen the post-credit scene from Shazam, so you don't know what I'm talking about. And I can't wait to see that your face when you find out that there's a character in DC Comics called Mr. Mind, who is a uh, super intelligent Venusian worm. He's a uh, caterpillar or worm from yeah. Venus, who is a super genius and okay. uh, just tries to take over the world. And he wears this little like communicator box so he can like speak <laughs> English to people. It's All right. All right, I'm in. I'm in. It, uh, yeah, yeah, it's wild. And at the the post credit scene of the first Shazam movie, where the villain is in jail, Doctor Savannah, and he's visited in his little jail cell by this little worm that says like, "We're gonna work together" or something. And so this was another one being like, the guy's like, "Where have you been? It's been two years. I've been in here by myself." He's like, "I have been uh, working on my secret plan." Just like a t- like yep. you're literally a little caterpillar. It's insane. That's great. And like. For that reason alone, I hope they make a third Shazam movie because right. I need to see a whole Shazam movie where the villain is a tiny little caterpillar worm guy. <laughs> we go from it Suicide Squad, giant starfish, giant starfish to Shazam, tiny worm. Yeah. OK. But you know, James James Gunn would be all about all about a villain being. Mr. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Evil that's that's right in his wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, that's Shazam Fear of the Gods. I really love this movie. Um, I would say it's probably uh, high, like a little above the middle of probably my whole DCU, DCEU rankings as they go. What do you got to say is a sliding scale because some of those movies I love and some of the movies I absolutely hate. So it's like a mm-hmm. big range in the middle there. Um, but uh, I probably like it a little more than Aquaman, a little less than like Birds of Prey or something like that. So it's like on the high end of uh, yeah. of my rankings, not quite at the top, but you're looking um, at like 60, 60 sixtieth percentile or so. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I'll give it 65 percent. Yeah. So give it a shot if you like superhero movies, you like having a fun time. You know, I laughed out loud at this movie. I you know was convinced that one of the heroes was dead <laughs> for a while. So like you know. It's definitely worth seeing, and it's a oh, big yeah. blockbuster buster spectacle that's great seeing in the theater, too. So I would say go see it. If you're on the fence, do it. Um, and that's all. Um, and uh, we got a whole big regular episode coming up, so stay tuned for that. Absolutely. Um, if you would like. Yeah. Uh, we're right. about to celebrate our 100th episode. So that we will. And uh, if you're sticking around, make sure to like and subscribe to uh, anything that we're doing. Uh Multiverse Report on Apple Podcasts, Multiverse Report on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, go check us out on the socials. Same name. Website, same name. Email Everyone. address, same name. Go same figure. Name at gmail.com. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, check us out, and we'll, uh, we'll be talking at you. Talking to you soon. And until then, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the multiverse. <laughs>